Well, good morning. How are you? Good, I guess Jose Luis has already covered that part, right? How are you? Good. If you're not okay, I'm just probably not saying anything. Well, again, good morning. If you haven't had a chance to meet me, my name is Mark. I'm the pastor here at Union Church. It's wonderful to be with you today as we worship and glorify the Lord together. Welcome also to our online audience. We're glad you're with us as well. A um, couple of notes real quick, just to say um, thank you to, uh, to Paul and Dana who covered our pulpit last week and to, um, to our staff and to our Sunday team who make it happen. It's just, uh, I was traveling and it's so nice to know that everything's in good hands here. And so thanks for everyone making it happen last week. It's good to be back with you this week. So um, here we are. Today at 11, we're going to have two baptisms. So be in prayer for Andy and Laura. They're, they're going to um, publicly profess Christ and be identified with him in baptism. So we're excited about that. Also, Jose Luis mentioned about, um, about our youth gathering this coming Saturday. And just, just a note, it's going to be really cool. We're going to do a photo scavenger hunt off campus. More info to come. So it's going to be pretty fun. I'm excited. That's coming up, uh, it's coming up Saturday at five. Well, let's pray and then we'll get to work in our sermon. Father God, we do thank you for this day that you have made, for the beauty and glory of it, for the beauty of your, your sanctuary and your people and your family of faith. Thank you for drawing us unto yourself as your sons and daughters. Thank you that we are your beloved. And now as we gather under your word, under your authority, Lord, I just pray that you would press your teachings deeply into our hearts and that uh, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, Lord, would be acceptable, that they would be pleasing in your sight, for indeed you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, today I am going to be finishing up, finishing up the, uh, this, this short series we've been doing on rest, on rest, and I hope it's been useful, useful to you, this, this series. So today we're going to be talking about rest in a restless world and how to kind of find a balance of, of living an active yet a restful life, an active yet restful life. Now, many years ago when I was young and when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, right? Yeah, it was many years ago. <laughs> many years ago, I took a motorcycle trip. We were living in Charleston, South Carolina at the time. I took this motorcycle ride up the coast and kind of focused on coastal eastern North Carolina and Virginia, just some really beautiful country out there, the Outer Banks and all. And I just did this ride. I was on my way to a meeting, a ministry meeting in Virginia Beach, but I just took a couple extra days to, to ride and see and, um, you know, to do some praying and some riding and all along the coast, really a beautiful place. And it was amazing. And it gave me just a few days, you know, just a little window to get away from it all and uh, sort of rest from all the demands of life and of ministry. And I don't know about you, but that is something that I really struggle with, to take that time to get away and to find the rest that God knows that we need and has designed us to, to need. And, you know, it, it is good. It is good for me to get rest. And it's good for you 
to get rest. And when I say rest, you, you know, I, I'm not meaning just a complete absence of activity. And I'm not meaning like going and living on a deserted island like a hermit and just doing nothing. Although at times that does sound pretty good, right? At times. Um, but I'm talking about rest for our souls. I'm talking about this soul rest that is so important for us as, as creatures made in the image of God and designed by him. I'm talking about a rest from, from just the busyness and the noisiness and the distractions that, that we're bombarded with in our daily lives. And so I'm really talking about the stewardship of rest. The stewardship of rest as we seek to live active yet restful lives. Um, because, you know, life is meant to be more than just a frantic, manic six days of work and activity and then one day of rest where we're just like a dead fly and just kind of <laughs> drop, right? Hoping, hoping that we can kind of recharge enough to start the cycle all over again. I mean, that six in one pattern is God's pattern, but I don't think it's meant to be so much that we're just, you know, completely used up when we get to that one day of rest. And so how do we, how do we live a life that is active yet restful and God honoring? And I wonder... I wonder if there are some principles that God gives us or maybe some promptings that we would find in his word that would speak to how we live this kind of active and restful life, how we would weave a godly rest, a soul rest into the fabric of our everyday lives. I wonder. And I think that the answer is yes that there are some principles and promptings in God's word about how we are to live this life. Now, when I, when I speak about this today, I'm gonna speak in kind of a broad way because whenever we talk about how we use our time, how we use our time to honor God, there will be as many different ways we can do that as there are people in this room, right? There are a lot of ways that we can steward our time for the Lord and, and, there, and our responses might be incredibly varied about how we do that. So I'll speak kind of generally about this, but I do want to, to look at this in, in the sense of the stewardship of our time and, and, and how we order our time in, in a godly way. So here's a question. Here's a question for you. Has God gotten your attention lately? Has God gotten your attention lately? Or are you more like, are you more like that, that little kid with his mama, you know, like always like, mama, 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 mama. Are you always trying to get God's attention? Has God gotten your attention lately? Or are you always trying to get God's attention, right? Kind of like, God, are you even listening? Are you even listening to my prayers? Or has God gotten your attention? How often in your week does God get your attention? How is that linked to rest? Well, maybe in this sermon, we'll find an answer to that. I'm not sure. Maybe we will, right? Maybe we'll find some answers to that. But for now, I'm gonna continue my story about riding, riding my motorcycle through Eastern North Carolina. Okay, ready? It's kind of a cliffhanger through the sermon. I was riding through Eastern North Carolina near the coast. There's a lot, if you're familiar with North Carolina, it's very narrow on the Western end of the state and it's very, it's very broad on the Eastern end of the state. There's a lot of, 
a lot of nothing out in eastern North Carolina. There are cities and towns, but in between them, there's a lot of, a lot of nothing, just a lot of countryside. It's beautiful. It's beautiful in that way. But I was riding one morning. It was a Thursday morning. And, and as I rode, I was by myself, just thinking, praying, riding. And I, I, I came upon on this lonely highway, a little Baptist church on the side of the road. And at the little Baptist church, there was a sign out front and it said, Thursday morning coffee. It was their Thursday morning coffee time. And I don't know why, but I just got this little inner prompting, like maybe I should stop. I mean, I didn't know anybody at this church. I didn't know anything about this church. But I got this little inner prompting, like maybe I should stop. I should stop for Thursday morning coffee time. And I'm like, okay. Okay, God, you got my attention. I'm gonna stop. And you know, I thought maybe, maybe one day this will make a good sermon illustration, right? <laughs> no, uh, you can tell me after church, like if it did or if it didn't. But nevertheless, God kind of got my attention and I stopped and I stop and I, I, I park and I get off my bike and I'm gonna go into church and there's a woman outside, kind of like a greeter and she greets me excitedly. And I said, are y'all open? And she says, oh yes, we're open, come on in. And then another woman comes out of the church building and she's excited. She's like, you're the first one here today. Get a free coffee. And I think everybody got a free coffee, but you get a free coffee, you're the first one. And so I thought, okay, I'll sit down, I'll have a coffee. And I sit down and I have a coffee and I visit with these, these two ladies hosting the Thursday morning coffee time. And we, we chat and share and, um, and they're very committed to their church, but it's a difficult ministry. It's a difficult place to have an active ministry because they're kind of way out in the country. And so we talk, about, we talk about that and I'm having this conversation with them and the whole time I'm kind of having this inner, these, this inner thought process, like why am I here? Why did God give me this inner prompting to stop for Thursday coffee time at this little Baptist church in the middle of nowhere on a lonely highway in Eastern North Carolina? Was there something I was supposed to do? Was there something I was supposed to learn? I didn't know. I'm wondering, I'm wondering this, but I'm thinking, well, God, you've got me here. So I'm just gonna accept this situation, make the most of it, right? So we chatted, we had some coffee. And then I took a little time, wandered around their little church building, looked at it. We pastors like to do that. And, um, and then I noticed they had a little library in their church. You know, a little tiny library in their little tiny church. And I looked at the books in their library and there was one book that caught my attention. And I'm gonna tell you more about that later in the sermon. So you gotta stay here. You can't leave. You can't go get coffee or bathroom right now. You gotta stay. But let me ask you another question. What is the likelihood that you would find yourself stopping at something like the Thursday morning coffee hour at a church you had nothing to do with and just on uh, another, when you were doing something else, you know, another way to put it is like perhaps on a busy day when you've got many things to do, what is the likelihood that you would find yourself somewhere else sort of by this, you know, seemingly random thing, but maybe you got this little inner prompting to do it. What is the likelihood of that? for you. So we're talking about rest. And we're talking about rest for our souls. And today we're going to look at one of my favorite scriptures. We looked at it three weeks ago. 
in fact. We're not going to look at it every three weeks, but we did look at this three weeks ago, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. It's so good. It's so good. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Maybe that's a message that some of you really need to hear today. Maybe that speaks right into you today. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Talking about soul rest. And then he finally says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus says. So, so today, I want to I suggest to you that in order to find rest, soul rest, in our day-to-day life, in our day-to-day activity, that there might, be, there might be some learning we have to do in order to take upon us the light yoke of Jesus, the light yoke that, that he offers us. Because I think so often, so often we, you know, we put on the heavy yoke. We've got a lot of responsibilities, a lot of meetings, a lot of things to do, a lot of people to see. We put on that heavy yoke. But how can we learn from Jesus to, to put on the light yoke that he so freely offers us? How can we learn that from Jesus, right? Well, the first thing is this. In order to live an active yet restful life, in order to put on the light yoke of Jesus, we learn from Jesus that to, to seek the kingdom. Jesus was always seeking the kingdom first. He was always seeking the kingdom first. Jesus calls us to seek the kingdom of God, right? And then all these other things, all these other things will fall into place. Seek the kingdom first. He says, seek first time with God, connection with God, intimacy with God, right? Not just being busy, but time and intimacy and connection with God. Seek this first, right? Rather, you know, seek Jesus best practices. Seek Jesus' guidelines. Seek Jesus' heart. Seek Jesus' plans for your life. Seek God's kingdom first. I wonder, I wonder if oftentimes we seek other things first, right? Maybe it's a good education for our kids. That's something that's important, but sometimes maybe we seek that first, Maybe it's a higher academic degree. Maybe it's a, a, a new position of, of authority or power at work. And these are not bad things, but I think sometimes we seek these first. For Jesus, he sought the kingdom first, first and foremost. And I think some of the reason that we have such weariness and such restlessness often in our lives and in the world is because we're, we're running after all of these things. We're juggling all of these things. I mean, they may be important things, but we're juggling all of these things. And then at the very end, we're trying to force in, cram in, shoehorn in God's kingdom instead of starting with God's kingdom. And it leaves us carrying that heavy burden and it leaves us restless 
and it leaves us weary. And so the first thing we can learn from Jesus in order to have his light yoke is to seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. And then the second thing that I'll note here is that to learn from Jesus, to live an active, an active yet restful life is that, is that from Jesus, we, we learn that Jesus submitted to the king. He submitted to his father. Now, submission isn't one of those words that I think we view very positively in the culture today. It's like two weeks ago, I talked about Sabbath and I said, this is kind of an old timey word. Sometimes old timey words, we need, to, we need to maybe change a little bit, update. Sometimes we just need to redeem them. And I think submission maybe becomes like Sabbath. We need to redeem what this means. I think in our culture, we would say, oh, submission, it kind of means like you lose, right? You're a loser if you submit, right? You're not winning. There's kind of a bad connotation to it. Or maybe it's a connotation like you were forced to do something. You had to submit to this thing that was forced upon you. But, but, but I, would, I would say, actually, there's this sense in submission of coming under. Of coming under. Like we're coming under God's authority. We're coming under God's power. We're coming under God's word. And we are submitted to him and we are submitted to his mission. And we labor under his authority and under his plans and under his purposes and under his will and under his ways that this is what it means to submit if we learn it from, from Jesus. And Jesus, he's our example in this. And in fact, he said in, in John chapter five, verse 19, I only want to do what I see my father doing. Jesus said this, I only want to do what I see my father doing. Jesus was wholly surrendered to what the father was up to. He only wanted to do these things. And I think that is key. I mean, it's incredibly challenging, but I think that is part of the key to learning to live an active yet restful life and carrying the light yoke of Jesus. And again, it begs us this question. Does God have our attention? Has God gotten your attention? Or are we giving our attention to all the noisiness and the busyness of the world? Or has God gotten your attention? Like that Thursday morning coffee time, random thing. Has God gotten your attention? Because there might be something that he is orchestrating for you if you will submit yourself to him. Jesus was submitted to the king. Jesus was not the master of his own time. Um, you know, what, what we know from, from the little bit of Jesus' life that was well documented, those last three years of his life, we know that Jesus was pretty busy. He was pretty active. He was going, going, and going. And, and in fact, there's a whole section in the gospels where like there's this huge crowd that's just following Jesus around and they're doing everything that, you know, they're going everywhere Jesus is going. They're watching these signs and miracles. And, and Jesus is just going and going and going to, to the point that like the crowd didn't even have time uh, after several, you know, days and days of this, they didn't have time to resupply and to get food to eat. And then they were hungry. And Jesus had compassion on them and Jesus fed all these people. He was keeping such a pace. They didn't even have time food to eat. Jesus is someone 
who had much demanded of his time. Now, I don't know what life looks like for you. I don't know what work looks like for you. I don't know what managing your home looks like for you. But goodness, goodness, I mean, for us, for, for me, for Megan, I mean, it keeps us hopping. It keeps us busy, right? And probably is the same for, for many of you as well. And, and, you know, Jesus, we look at him and he had this incredibly intense time on this earth in his ministry. You know, just like for many of us, there were many demands on him. And he learned that the only way that he could have the light yoke was to submit to the Father's will, to only do what the Father was doing, to be submitted to the Father, to be doing God's agenda. I mean, what does that mean for you? What does it mean for you in your life and your work with your family and in the context of who you are to only do what the Father is doing? What does that mean for you? Has God gotten your attention? Have you felt that inner prompting, that little nudge from God? You you know, the, the truth is, is that sometimes, sometimes we will find a place of rest in the busiest days even maybe in the midst of hard circumstances, if we can just slow down our minds a little bit and open our ears and and even if we can just hear the Father, the Father's voice saying, I love you. I mean, that might not change our schedule, that might not change your circumstances, but that will certainly change your attitude and give rest to your soul even in the midst of busyness. It will certainly redefine the way that you experience everything that you're doing in life. Now I wonder if you are familiar with the story of Robert Fiddler. He was an Englishman. He built a a Tudor-style castle on his farm property in England. Anybody heard of that Robert Fiddler? This was in the news like five or six years ago. You know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty up with the times here. <laughs> but Robert Fiddler, he built this, oh, there it is on the screen. He built this, this pretty nice looking house, this Tudor style castle on his property. But there was a problem. There was a problem with his, with his project. Does anybody know what the problem was? No, okay. The problem was this, that Robert Fiddler built this house, but he did not have the proper planning permission from the municipality to build, to build this house on his farm. And so when he started building it, he started building it in 2001. And when he started building it, he, he built a wall, like a huge wall of hay bales around his property so that nobody could see what he was doing because he didn't have the proper planning permission. And I think he figured that maybe when he finished and there was actually this castle there and maybe after it had been there for a bit that everything would work out and it would be okay. But he started on this in 2001 and he built it. And then in the year 2016, it all had to be torn down because he lost his case with the municipality because he didn't have the proper planning permission. He didn't have the proper permits to build his castle. Can you imagine? 
his dream home. Can you imagine how much time and energy and money goes into building a house, a castle like this? Fifteen years. And then to have to tear it all down. This, this, I would suggest that this is a picture of the restless life. The Bible actually speaks about this pretty clearly in Psalm 127.1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in in vain. Unless the Lord builds a house, its labor, its builders labor in vain. How sad for Robert Fiddler. He tried to get this thing that he really wanted. But he had to try to sneak it in because he knew maybe it wasn't okay. And do you know, for us, Sometimes I think we feel very restless. We feel weary. Sometimes maybe we even feel like we're losing our confidence in what God is doing in us. And here's what I mean. You know, we're going about our life or you're going about your job or many of you are involved in ministry. You're going about your ministry and you don't know. You're doing your thing, but you don't know if God has said yes to this thing. And you have this little bit of lack of confidence. Like, has God really said yes to this? You don't know if you're really submitted. You don't know if you've got that planning permission. And so often we go running out, running out into our lives, running out into our own plans. And then we kind of turn back and we say, God, will you please bless this? It's like Robert Fiddler did with his municipality. And there's a great quote from the singer Bono of the band U2. And he said this, he said, stop asking God to bless what you're doing. Rather, find out what he's already doing, right? Because that's already blessed. Get involved, get on board with what God is already doing. Figure out what God's already doing, because you know that is blessed. I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, I end up with a mess in my life. It may be a mess of my own making. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, God, will you please bless me? Please bless this. You know, I've made all these decisions and now I'm stuck. God, please bless this. Please give me the proper planning permission for this. And I'm not saying that God isn't merciful because God is merciful but, but a life of rest is one where you already know that you are on board with what God is doing, where you already have the proper planning permission. Do you already have the proper planning permission for what you are doing, for what you are about to do, for the things you are about to invest a great deal of your time and your energy and your heart and your money into? You know, or, or are you building this behind a wall of hay bales? And you're hoping, you're hoping that God's going to bless this when you're finished. Jesus was a, a great example for us of, of a life of rest where, where he was seeking the kingdom. He, he wasn't trying to do a lot of different things. He was simply trying to do what he saw the Father doing. 
He was simply trying to do what he already knew he had the proper planning permission to do, the proper blessing from the Father to do. And there's a certain soul confidence in that. There's a certain soul rest in that when we know that what we are doing is already approved, it's already blessed. And that might be with some of the big stuff that you have going on in your life. And that might be with some of the little stuff that's going on. But that is the place where we find a certain soul confidence. Can God get your attention? Now let me ask you this. I have a lot of questions today. Let me ask you this, and, and I'm not crazy in asking you this, but it might, seem, it might seem like it. Let me ask you this. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Maybe it would be invincibility. Maybe it would be that you're indestructible. Maybe it would be that you could fly. Yeah, okay, got some takers over here. If you could have a superpower, what would it be, right? How about this? What if you could have the superpower of being interruptible? What if you could have the superpower of being interruptible? Right, I'm interruptible, man. I can be interrupted. I would love every one of you to walk out of this room today and to have the superpower of interruptibility. Right? You know, in, in your day-to-day schedule and the busyness of all that you were doing and the demands that are upon you, that you would be interruptible. Henry Nouwen, the Catholic, he was a Catholic priest, a well, well-regarded theologian. Henry Nouwen talks about how he was constantly frustrated through his life that his work was always being interrupted. He was trying to do his work and he was constantly being interrupted. And then toward the end of his life, he figured out that the interruptions really were the work, (laughs) right? He figured that out. I can sometimes get so focused on, on my work, on my ministry, on my writing, on my projects that, you know, I can, I can walk out of my office, you know, into the passageway around the courtyard. I can walk right past, I can, I can almost walk right past one of our staff members and not say good morning. And it's not because I'm trying to be rude, although that is rude, but I'm just so focused. I get very focused, right? And once I get very focused, it's hard for me to do anything but be focused on that thing. And I need that superpower of interruptibility, Because that interruption, that saying good morning, that talking to someone else who's on task here in ministry is maybe just what I need. Maybe that is actually the work to be interrupted. In the gospel accounts of Jesus, you know, among all the things that he did, all the work that he did, he was constantly being interrupted, right? He's going from one place to another. Someone interrupts him. Ah, can you come and heal my daughter. Oh, can you um, heal this leprosy on my skin? Um, Right? Oh, interrupted by the Pharisees. You're not doing things right. He was constantly being interrupted, even when he's praying, being interrupted, right? And, And, you know, he's on this journey, and he's constantly being interrupted, and perhaps it was the interruptions that provided 
all of these occasions for ministry. And it was the interruptions that provided all of these teachable moments that we now read about in Scripture, right? Jesus constantly being interrupted. Are you interruptible? Or are you so focused on your work or on the tasks at hand or on your kingdom or on your family that, that God isn't able to get into your life in that way to maybe interrupt you for a purpose? Are you interruptible? Maybe there's someone that works, you know, in your office and they're like 10 meters away from you and they just really need someone to listen to them or to acknowledge them, or to let them know that they matter or that someone cares about them. And you've got a big project and you're busy and you can't be interrupted, but that person needs you. I pray that today you would leave here with the superpower of interruptibility. That your busyness wouldn't be more important than that person's needs. God has called you to to model. He's called all of us to model this active yet restful life. He has called us to be interruptible. Isaiah 30, in fact, God says this, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you know what he says next? He says, you didn't want to have any of it. You didn't want to have any of it. But God says, be still and in repentance and rest is your salvation. There was a moment some years ago, um, as a family, we were in transition. We were actually about to move to Bolivia and we were, you know, we had finished the school year. We were frantically packing, selling stuff, getting rid of things. We were getting our house ready to be rented out to some tenants that were gonna move in. We had a bunch of things going on. It was very intense, very stressful time for us, for our family. And and we needed to finish up a few little projects so that we could be out of our house, so that the renters could move in. I needed to get some paint. And before I was gonna get the paint, I needed to visit a friend of mine at his house. And I went to my friend's house and and I, I did a few things with him that we needed to do. And then I was leaving. I was, I was under pressure because I, I ultimately needed to get back to get Megan because we had another obligation and it was going to take me 30 minutes in traffic to drive to the place to get these paints, this paint and these supplies and then 30 minutes to drive back. And I was with my friend and I, and I left his home and I go to my car and I get in the car and I crank up the car and then I just got this little interruption in my spirit. I don't... I don't know how to explain that. But I got this little interruption in my spirit, and so I took a deep breath, a big sigh. I turned off the car. I said a prayer. My prayer was about as sophisticated as this, like, God, help, right? One of those prayers. That's about where I was. And then, you know, I was at the end of my rope there, and then I just got this little sense, you know, And it was like, why don't you ask your friend if he has this paint that you need? Huh. Okay. Get out of the car. Go back into my friend's house. I ask him, I need this kind of paint. Do you happen to have that? You know, what's the chance? And he says, yeah, I've got just what you need. I've even got some brushes. I've got some supplies. Take it all. 
it's yours, right? Probably save me an hour of driving, maybe two hours of frustration by simply stopping and giving God some attention, being interruptible. You, you know, God is so smart when it comes to our lives, right? He even knows about paint. He's so smart when it comes to our lives. He knows the kinds of things that you need if you listen. And you know, there's a danger that you and I, that we'll just run our lives, we'll run and run and we'll do and do and we'll be busy and we'll look busy and we'll look like, hey, that guy's busy, like, must be important. But there's a danger that we're going to do it on our own strength and on our own power and we're not going to be willing to be interrupted and we're going to miss something. We're going to miss something that the Lord has for us. Something like that coffee morning. Let me finish that. I was riding my motorcycle, stop at the little Baptist church in the middle of nowhere for coffee morning and let me tell you what happened. 120 people showed up and they came to Christ that morning. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't that exciting. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really anything that remarkable. You, you might even say, I'm not sure, Pastor, that that was even like a God moment or a God interruption. You know, I don't know for sure. And I, and, and, and I may well be wrong about that, right? I can't stand before you today and say 100% that was God speaking to me that day. I don't know, but I got this little inner prompting and I stopped. And as I stopped and as I visited, you know, I wonder if I, you know, would I have missed something that day? I don't know. I don't know. But as I stopped and as I visited and I looked in their little library and I found a book that stood out to me for I don't know what reason. And, and the book was a, po a poetry book and it had this poem in it by Minnie Louise Haskins, who was an English poet. And it had this poem in it called The Gate of the Year the gate of the year. And I thought it was a really good poem. And I found it in this book at coffee morning in the little Baptist church. And it goes like this. And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. So I went forth and finding the hand of God, I trod gladly into the night. And that poem spoke to me. <laughs> and I wonder, how many moments do we miss? How many opportunities do we walk right past? And how restless can our lives become when we're just chasing after all these things and we're not seeking first his kingdom, and we're not allowing ourselves to be interrupted, I wonder. So seek first his kingdom. Submit to the king. Listen for his promptings so that you may live an active yet restful life. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I 
will give you rest. Amen. Father God, we do thank you for your word today, your word of invitation to each one of us to come unto you. You are the God of the universe, but you're also the God who invites us to come unto you and to listen to you and to be interrupted by you so that we could live into the plans and purposes you have for each one of us. You know us. You know us so well. You're so good at knowing what we need and what makes us tick. And I pray that today as we go from this place, we would be a people with that superpower of interruptibility, that we could be interrupted by people in need, that we could be interrupted by your spiritual promptings into our lives. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.